All right, there are no drafts to be had, but Best Ball Mania 4 is nigh. The NFL draft is almost here, and we're bringing on a heavy hitter, a young man in the YouTube streets, deep into the Dino Prospect Lab. It's none other than Ron Stewart joining us today, Spags. Yeah, we're excited to have Ron on today because we need an expert to talk through the NFL draft. We're going to make our picks. Where is each player going to go? We're going to talk about the best possible landing spots, but I want to give a shout out to Ron. Of course, one of the guys I've been promoting you, Ron, is a dynasty savant, but I feel like you've been working the trade lines or doing all the stuff that the real dynasty hardos out there will say. They're guys who are doing the work out there in the fields. And what's the key dynasty observations you've seen so far with just a few days away from the NFL draft? Well, I appreciate uh, all of the gas. I think Dynasty Savant is a little bit uh, over the top for how I would describe myself. But look, man, someone's got to roll up their sleeves and send these trade offers in these leagues. I would say the biggest thing right now is just I think the owners right now are operating with a ton of certainty in Dynasty of like one 101 to 104 is like, you know, the good part to being in the rookie draft. You know, it tails off at the back half, like 110 to 112. We don't really want those. But then you know, what happens if Zay Flowers goes to the Chiefs or whatever? Like, there's so much that can happen between now and then. I think that people sort of pencil in either the picks or how things are going to go in terms of where they're valuing things right now. But we truly don't know what's going to happen here. Like, we could see quarterbacks fall outside the top 12. There's a lot going on. So definitely some rumors moving around, betting lines moving around as well. Will Levis taking a big jump, uh, big jump up to the, the two spot with the Texans. People uh, briefly were concerned they wouldn't draft a quarterback. Are there any of these guys, Ron, that you've seen in particular where I personally wrote off Will Levis like early in my process where I was like, I don't think he's going to be a year one guy. I've been kind of down on him in best ball. But now it looks like he's going number two overall to a team with obviously a QB gap potentially to the Texans. And we're going to assume that right now those betting lines are accurate. Are you into the Will Levis of the world just because that draft capital is so high and you got to assume he's going to be on the field at some point this year? I think if you asked me three years ago, I would scoff at Will Levis. And, you know, I was one of the guys, you know, Josh Allen should be a second rounder. I remember as a Jets fan, like I, I was hoping, you know, Dar I wanted Dartle. That was like, look, I don't want Josh Allen, absolute project. But we've seen how these things go. Uh, and just with quarterback evals in general, it's so random and so against the wall that when a guy comes – like Will Levis, it's kind of the stuff that I know uh, Pete talks about of like, when you win, what do you win? And that, you know, thin needle that you're threading with Will Levis, if it does work out, it looks a lot like, you know, your Josh Allen's, your, I mean, like Pete Carson Wentz as well, like huh. big toolsy can run, big arm, all of that. Pete, how are you feeling about Will Levis? Because I think this is something that really has changed over the last week. And I know I kind of talked you out of him. I'm sure, you know, Pat, some of the guys who you've been talking to at streams have maybe talked you out of him too. Uh, definitely not as exciting of a prospect as an Anthony Richardson, but now it looks like he might actually go higher. Yeah, I remember it was um, it was a month or so ago we had Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar on ship chasing, and he just like put Will Levis in a body bag, <laughs> like just saying this is like one of the worst, you know, quarterback prospect profiles we've seen in a long time. And yet, as much as I respect the opinions of so many people on this, it's like the NFL is telling us a much different story, and we've seen versions of this play out. And yes, it, you, you always want to avoid referencing the highest end outcomes, but we've seen us collectively be down on guys like Josh Allen, like Justin Herbert. And then these guys come in and really access a ceiling that none of us thought was possible. So I'm almost just like throwing out a lot of my personal bias and being like, look, where he goes in the draft, if he's a top five pick, like he is massively undervalued. You know, I know the super flex contests have closed. Um, my guy, Sam Sherman from ship chasing was tweeting about this too. Like when you looked at his ADP relative to these other quarterbacks, that gap should not be there. You could maybe slot him at the bottom of the tier if you want, but to have him just in a different galaxy is those other guys doesn't line up with what the NFL is telling us.
So let's pull this up here because we do have some people in the chat saying maybe it's going to be misdirection here. Of course, NFL teams, no strangers to working the rumors and innuendos to try to get the trade uh, trade capital for them, or at least throw the sniff off of who they're going to be picking. But we have the QBs on the board, and I think we can make an easy one right to start uh, here with Bryce Young. Bryce Young, it feels like all the odds have pushed towards being the number one overall pick. I still think I would go Stroud or Richardson, but Ron, do you think Bryce Young is a for sure thing to the Panthers are number one? So it's so tough to tell because we don't have a ton of data on that whole, I guess, like cohort. You know, you have uh, Wright coming in, you have McCown coming in. We don't really know what they're up to. You have Tepper, who's kind of a wild card owner. I'm, I, I will side with the betting markets at this point where it's like 90% plus Bryce Young. But like if they came out, we've seen first overall picks before. I want to say Baker Mayfield's maybe like plus 1000 on draft day when he went first overall. So it wouldn't shock me if they went uh, elsewhere, but it does seem like Bryce Young is the guy right now. But like it, it's just very weird because of how much they were linked to CJ Stroud early on. So it is tough. I'll lean Bryce Young, but I, I don't think it's a as closed a book as maybe the uh, the markets might think. Pete, you on board here? Bryce Young, follow the betting markets and him going to the Panthers? Yeah, I think so. And when you think about like, you know, we can talk about whether this Levis stuff is smokescreen. We can easy, We should also talk a little about the S2 stuff, which has seemed to mm. impact, you know, both public and maybe team perception on some of these guys. And so you have all this stuff with Will Levis. You have CJ Stroud not showing off well in those S2 scores. And so, like, who is the one guy, aside from the size, that everyone still feels really good about? And it's Bryce Young. And so, to me, that does still feel like the pick and you know I've, I've gotten flashbacks with what the Panthers did to what the Niners did a few years back when they traded up and took Lance where they really didn't seem to have decided who they wanted at the time I'm sure they had the lean we've all of course heard the Josh Norris Josh McCown you know discussions where you know McCown was very high on Stroud but there's a lot of things that go into this decision and a lot of information they've gathered since that move and it would not shock me if they've done a 180 and have come around to a guy like Young at this point. So yeah, I do still think the smart money is on young going one-on-one. All right. So CJ Stroud's going to be the other one. And I think, yeah, we're ball. We're on the same page there. It seems like it's maybe not the most exciting pick. Actually, I guess for Bryce young, is this his best possible destination? Because in my mind a while ago, and I was drafting best ball teams with the assumption that it was going to be Bryce young to the Texans, Stroud to the Panthers, maybe an outside shot of Richardson to the Panthers. But I think really, I thought Stroud was going number one. I was drafting some young Texan sacks to results. And now I think that's going to be kind of useless. But I do think for Young, like the Panthers kind of feel like a better spot than the Texans just because I guess they're going to be a little more likely to win now. I kind of believe in the Texans coaching staff and what they're bringing in there. Uh, obviously, a lot of defensive minds in this coming from D uh, D'Amico Ryans being the head coach. But Ron, are you feeling Bryce Young and the Panthers is his ideal landing spot? I'd say it's pretty good because you have a nice like offensive minded like QB mold uh, foundation in place where you have Reich, you have McCown. You know, Reich has had success with his quarterbacks. I think he was sort of part of the uh, Nick Foles sort of like whispers that they had over on the Eagles. So I think it's a good spot. I think both the Texans and the Panthers are like pretty comparable spots. The Texans have the uh, PFF guy coming over, uh, Bob, whoever his name is, offense coordinator. Uh, so like maybe they have a nice offensive place in the scheme he, he, or in place. He feels like one of those, you know, LaFleur's, McVay, Shanahan guys, you know, come from the system. Um, and maybe they even add a pass catcher at 12 too. So you could add that in, you know, would you rather have Bryce Young throw into, you know, like JSN on the Texans or I guess it's like Adam Thielen on the Panthers. So it's pretty tough. Both, both rosters are not good though. Yeah. I would agree with you on that one. Pete, would you feel, would you feel better about Bryce Young and the Texans or is it mostly a wash with the Panthers? I, I think it's pretty, a pretty close comp though. Panthers did do a little more heavily, uh, heavily action and free agency. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of a wash for me. I mean, one little tiebreaker is that uh, Carolina division is so bad. You get to play all those dome games against the Falcons and the Saints and stuff too. So that always is a little attractive to me from uh, a fantasy standpoint. But yeah, when you look at kind of the weaponry that they're going to have available to them, you know, once DJ Moore's gone, neither of these guys are going to have a locked and loaded kind of wide receiver one to help transition them into the league. And so, yeah, it, it's very close to me. And whichever one I think maybe prioritize wide receiver in this draft class, like if Houston were to take JSN at pick 12, all of a sudden it's like, give me the Houston situation. So I think the story on what is the better situation for the quarterback might not be decided until we see what they do at the wide receiver position. Let's talk about C.J. Stroud, because I do think he's a guy that really jumped out early in the process to me. I did uh, pull in some data from Sports Info Solutions on a stream and kind of go through it blindly without having done a ton of prep work before it. And Stroud, like just a great EPA per play passer overall, 0 0.309 EPA per target overall. Um, not bad under pressure either, negative EPA, but he does handle pressure pretty well. Only takes a 3% sack rate, throws the ball deep downfield well. I love Stroud because I feel like fantasy-wise, he's the best at what all these things we look for, a downfield passer who's mobile enough to create some rushing opportunities. He's not going to run with Anthony Richardson or anything, but I think in terms of like a fantasy football player that's going to create value for a stack, I've thought Stroud was that guy from day one. But Pete, it seems like he doesn't have a home now. So where do you think he goes? And I guess where would be his best possible landing spot? Yeah, this is one of those two where it's like, do you believe the, the smoke screens and stuff? Or is he a potential faller? you know, that ends up going to one of these teams that maybe were in like pick seven to 10 that didn't think they were going to have access to a quarterback. I mean, we saw a lot during the draft process of people saying, hey, would the Lions or the Seahawks, you know, who are probably committed to their starters this year, would they take, you know, a project to be the heir to Goff or Geno Smith? I wonder if we see something like that. The Raiders, would they potentially have second thoughts about rolling with Jimmy G or trying to have a quarterback competition there? So I still think it's very, very unlikely Stroud slips out of the top 10. But yeah, it does seem more likely that he could get past, you know, four or five now. Ron, have any, how about you? Any inkling for where he goes? It does seem like the odds start to move uh, against him a little bit here. Um, and there are some natural homes that Pete mentioned there, though all teams as well that have a QB making a lot of money ahead of them. So when you're evaluating for Dynasty, I guess, how are you looking at CJ Stroud's prospects with him uh, not being the bell of the ball? Stroud is so tough. He kind of feels like... Uh... Like, he does feel like Justin Fields and Josh Rosen. Like, if you remember, Josh Rosen was a guy who could have gone first overall in that draft hmm. class, and then he just slipped all the way. And he's kind of getting some of those same, like, you know, he didn't show up to the Manning Academy. I I've also been very vocal, uh, not on Twitter, but just uh, I was on uh, Fantasy Stock Exchange's uh, live stream the other day. Like, miss me with 18th percentile S2 score. Like, they're, like you, like, he, like, filled in his name, and that's it. Like, 18th percentile and you're going to sit there like sit there for like a couple hours taking this test. I'm saying there's no way. Maybe he scored uh not great on it. But yeah, Stroud is so tough because in terms of from like a mock drafting standpoint, if it was Stroud with the Panthers, I fully believe Texans sprint to the podium to grab Young. It seems like CJ Stroud isn't on the Texans board. Something that I heard get connected earlier uh today was you have uh the offense or the offensive coordinator is from the 49ers. The 49ers love the S2, which is why they got Brock Purdy cuz he scored so high on it. It seems like the S2 might knock him down for the Texans. And then from there, it gets weird because it seems like the Colts are married to Will Levis there. So then you're looking at like six to the Lions. You're looking at like seven to the Raiders. You're looking at eight to the Falcons. It's very, very weird uh, in terms of what's going on with Stroud. Somebody could trade up to number three with Stroud. Um, so it's just hard to even get a feel for what that landing spot looks like and what we can expect in year one. Yeah, I think it's a fair way to look at it. I would say from my perspective, you know, you mentioned the Falcons, like, 
I, I don't, I've kind of thought the Falcons were going to take a QB. I think they're going to go Desmond Ritter, give him a shot. Maybe they take one of these late guys. I know people were stumping for Jake Hayner a little bit. Clayton Toons, another guy who threw it okay at the combine, but uh, not a toolsy athlete or anything. But I do think the Falcons, to me, if you are going to make a pivot, and I don't trust Arthur Smith to make a pivot at all, but him actually having those weapons, having having Drake London, Pete, having Kyle Pitts, I feel like that'd be pretty good for a CJ Stroud coming up to have these like high-tier alpha weapons right away. Uh, but I don't think that's how the Falcons are going to go. But I would say if we were to change everything about the Falcons, but the same roster, I think that's where Stroud's best spot would be. Well, it's also interesting, right? Because in maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like conventional wisdom is like Stroud is more of like a finished product, kind of like what you see is what you're going to get. Whereas people have talked about Levis and Richardson as these potential high upside projects, which would make more sense to sit a year behind a golf or even behind a guy like Ritter. And so that if you have Stroud, like, him as a project just doesn't seem as tantalizing based on his profile. So it is a really interesting one. The best fit probably if he slides past that range is probably the Titans, right? Like they could use a guy to plea to just be a younger version of Ryan Tannehill and just like be competent in that offense because Lord knows they don't trust Malik Willis. So I, that might be like the best realistic fit for him. If this slide is real. Yeah, definitely some interesting things to watch with Stroud. I also, if he really fell, the commanders at 16 being there, I think maybe reevaluate what you're doing with Sam Howell and uh, clearly Stroud would be a better prospect, but not so sure about that one. Ron, I'm really curious your thoughts on Anthony Richardson because he's been a guy, uh, I've even pre-combine, like I did my, my initial kind of takes about a month before all the combine stuff came out, saw a freak athlete who's incredibly inaccurate in the short field but throws the ball downfield pretty willingly, runs at a high rate, misses tackles at an insane rate for a quarterback. I love them because I think that's sort of what the NFL is going to start to move towards. Obviously, you know, you see the Jalen Hurts them developing players like that. But I think teams are very much copycats. They're going to follow the lead. Where is your ideal spot for an Anthony Richardson to go, given that he's got this unique tool set? And I personally don't want to see him sit if you're in a dynasty league. Yeah, my dream spot for him would be the Colts. If he goes there, you have Stike in there who just had a ton of success with Jalen Hurts. They're pretty much really similar guys. I know a lot of people say that Jalen Hurts is more polished coming out, but he was like a fifth-year guy at Oklahoma, whereas Anthony Richardson's like a third-year guy at Florida. I'm sure if he stayed five years and had Lincoln Riley coaching him, he would look pretty damn similar. Um, but you have a spot with Steichen where they can run something pretty similar to the Eagles. You have Minshew there who already knows that often, so maybe like Minshew can sort of bridge maybe five, six games, you know, like sometimes take some time to acclimate them. And then I would just love what that rushing attack would look like with, you know, like RPOs and read options and the even like you can re recreate it down to the QB sneak play where you got like Quentin Nelson up front, Jonathan Taylor pushing Anthony Richardson from behind. So I think it'd be really fun. You have Michael Pittman already there who's not bad. Maybe they draft, you know, a wide receiver to help him out. But yeah, I would love the, the Colts. You know, he would get a high enough draft capital to the point where there would be pressure to play him early. It'd be a, a system that I think Steichen can really sort of craft around him too. Yeah, so Ron is preaching to the choir for me, Pete, but how about you? Is there another spot you'd like to see a guy like Richardson go? Because people have liked him to the Lions. I feel like uh, Josh and Hayden over at Underdog have really kind of stunned for that one. I just don't want him to have any inhibitors to playing day one. I don't think Gardner Minshew is one. And like Ron said, I've been on board with the head coaching. So are you with us, teams uh, Richardson to the Colts, or do you want him to go somewhere else? Yeah, no, I'm with you on the Colts. I would even be fine if like the Texans completely went off the board and, and took him there. But I, I'm with you guys completely. Like I'm thinking about this through not even a dynasty lens, but like just a best ball lens. Like I want to draft shit tons of Anthony Richardson. And I don't want to be left holding the bag and just, you know, praying that he starts by like week 15. You know, I want him to have the draft capital behind him where the team basically has no choice but to start him day one. And once you slip past four, then you really start to get into dicey territory of a team being able to justify a redshirt year. 
So we can see some of the lower tier prospects on the screen. Now we got Hendon Hooker, Jake Hayner, Clayton Toon, Aiden O'Connell, uh, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, these guys all should go at some point, Ron. And I think Hendon Hooker is the one that's gotten the most steam lately. I think Peter King had him going in the, the top 12. And then he had Richardson going 23rd to the Vikings, which feels impossible to me. Either way, though, it seems like Hooker is going to go somewhere. Are there any of these guys, Ron, that you would be more inclined to take a flyer on now? Because Hayner is kind of a complete prospect. They're all on the older side. I think these guys are all 24, 25. Uh, but any of them seem to have real legs for you. I I like Jake Hayner as a sleeper. Like I, it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes day two. But I'm actually a really big Hendon Hooker guy, or not really big, but like for dynasty purposes, I like him. I, I've sort of in just like figuring out a quarterback prospect model. Like age doesn't matter a ton. Like of course it matters on the extremes, like with like Brandon Whedon right coming in at 28 or whatever that, whatever he was, but. 25 isn't terrible. I think Burrow came in at like 24. Andrew Luck was a senior. Cam Newton was like a redshirt senior coming out. So like breakout age and all of those kinds of metrics, I don't really factor them in a ton for quarterback. And Hendon Hooker is one of these guys that looks a lot like um, these quarterbacks that have kind of fallen through the cracks, right? He rushes a ton. He's been efficient. Like now he's not doing it all in one year, but like 80 career passing touchdowns to 12 interceptions is an elite number, 10.5 inch hands. Like he's almost as physically gifted. Uh, you know, not like Richardson, but I think he's probably as physically gifted, if not more than a guy like Will Levis. So he's somebody that I've kept, you know, my eye on. If he goes somewhere like the Vikings, he gets to sit a year. I think he gets really interesting down the road of what he could possibly be. You had a confession, guys. Go ahead, Pete. So I've definitely heard about Hendon Hooker. Um, Today is the first time in my entire life I have either seen the name uh, heard the name Jake Hayner. This is this is like a bombshell revelation for me. I have not heard of. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. This is the first time, guys. So uh, I, I'm I feel behind the eight ball. Uh, Jake Hayner, not like a sexy prospect by any stretch. I think he had one really good game against UCLA that people, uh, the tape watchers, the game film guys, really liked. Uh, had a .176 EPA per throw, so that's kind of middle tier. Um, pretty good on the deep ball, .71 EPA per throw, twenty plus air yards. Not very mobile, but like kind of a traditional pocket passer that has the ability to, again, be a guy that'll stack up pretty well and could add value to a team. Um, I would agree. Like I'm more hooker than Hayner, but I think if you are going to take Pete, one of these guys in the, the 20th round of a draft or the 18th round, I guess Hayner could be one of those guys you could start to mix in and then you'll learn to love him over the summer or hate him, I guess, appropriately. All right. Yeah. I mean, I just think if I just got through the super flex portion of best ball summer and I wasn't introduced to Jake Hader, I don't know how it's happening when we go down to 18 rounds and just one quarterback. Also seeing a bunch of, I've got to give Ron a plug real fast because I'm seeing some uh, YouTube creator guys. I've started to see come up on the scene recently. Fantasy football garage. One of those guys, Ron, of course you've been doing this for, by yourself now for a couple years, right? Doing this full grind, really getting out there, building the numbers, all that stuff. Do you have any quick pro tips you want to give? And of course the plug for your channel where you are working as hard as anybody in the off season, which we appreciate here because fantasy football all year, all year round, baby. That's what we're trying to do. Thank you. I got to be honest. Like I definitely, uh, not as pedal to the metal as I am like in season. Like I, I I've honestly like sometimes like, man, like I, I feel like I should be putting out a couple more videos a week, but I appreciate all the love. Um, Really what it comes down to is just keep making videos. Like my first 100 videos, man, if you go back, like they sucked, all of them sucked. Like I'd had like, I have like college basketball betting videos. Maybe have like uh, under a hundred views. Like there were times like I had one video that I was thinking about the other day. If Robert Sala doesn't get hired by the jets and I don't make a video about that. And it like does really good numbers. I probably just stopped making videos right there. Like I'm like a freshman in like community college. Like I was just kind of messing around on YouTube. So really what I would say, like you just kind of got to show up every day and build it. Like the first 100, 200 episodes, like shows, like they're all going to be bad. So you just got to keep going. 
There was something I saw recently from one of those YouTube specialist sites that I think it was a LinkedIn post. So that, that already makes me feel dead for saying this out loud now. You're hanging out on LinkedIn. <laughs> I go on LinkedIn. Pete, there's a lot that goes on corporately sometimes that I have to <laughs> keep an eye on. So I bet. <laughs> uh, but I did see them posting that basically I think 10% of videos or 10% of uploaders get uh, over a thousand views and everybody else is underneath that threshold. And it does kind of feel like sometimes you are bumping up against the wall. And I would say, Ron, you know, like you being persistent, I, I very much admire because back in my blogging days, like that was the thing people always ask is like, Oh, how do you have like a blog that people read? It's like you write every day and you keep writing and you keep doing it. And now same thing for YouTube and guys like you showing up every day and giving good advice and going out of your way to like be smart about it. I, you know, you deserve a full shout out for that. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about running backs. Actually, let's give the quick plug here. Of course, subscribe to this channel too. Ron's got enough subscribers. He doesn't need any more, but go subscribe to Splash Play. Hit the like down below. We appreciate it a bunch. We're going all year long here talking about stuff, bringing guys like Ron on and also doing some drafts, of course. So hang out with us here. We appreciate it if you do. Let's talk about running backs though, because running backs are the fun one to hit on for a lot of people out there. They love drafting their running backs. Pete, sometimes I even dabble in drafting running backs. Bijan Robinson, though, has got to be the bell of uh, what I presume is going on in Dynasty Leagues all around because people love running backs, and Bijan is one of the best prospects to come out in the last few years. So, Ron, where is Bijan falling relative to you, where I've heard people kind of talk about some of the back cast numbers. I know we have at Football Outsiders. Uh, he apparently comes behind, like, Taylor and Saquon Barkley in terms of these historical archetypes, but about as good as any of those guys and probably a better pass catcher, too. So feels like a true bell cow back in an era where there aren't a lot. Yeah, 100%. He is like, he is essentially the prince who was promised. Like if we, like we look all the way back, like the, I think the only guy in my database with like a better prospect score is Saquon Barkley. Like he's up there with the girlies of the world, the Fournettes, the Zeke Elliott's like he is that guy. And in a different time, you know, he goes top five, maybe even, you know, Ricky Williams era, the Saints trade away the whole draft. He goes like first overall. And you're 100% right. Like the beauty of Bijan is He's not like those other guys like Zeke Fournette are a little bit more of your traditional, uh, you know, top 10 bell cows, guys who can take on 300 plus touches or whatever from back then. Like he is very much your Saquon McCaffrey catch passes moved all over the formation. And on top of that, you know, he's like 5'11", 220 runs four five even. So he is that guy. He has everything that he is, you know, slated up to be. I've even heard people say, like, how, how can you have him rank so highly? He doesn't have a landing spot. He doesn't have draft capital yet. Like. It's because I don't care. Like, I think that there's maybe, what, like like three running backs. He could go into their running back room, and it, like, kind of gives him a hindrance. So he's pretty much landing spot proof. He just has to go in the first round. Everything should be good to go with him. Where do you think he goes? Where do you? Where's your preferred spot? I know there's been rumors tying him to the Falcons. People love tying him to the Falcons. I have yeah, as sure somebody do. who's staunchly Tyler Algiers' team, Pete. You know, I don't want to see him go there, but that's a spot I'm sure you'd love to see him go. The Eagles and other teams. So I guess, Pete, I'll ask you, where do you think he's been tied to the most? Well, no, I mean, you're definitely right. The Every single mock has this Falcon stuff. I, I think as much as I want to poke fun of you for continuing to draft Tyler Algier when I think this is a legitimate risk, I do think the Falcons would be batshit dumb to to pull the trigger there. I'm like, you know, the, if I do the same thing with like the most logical spot, to me, it's the commanders at 16. Um, you know, that's the team. It sounds like they're pretty committed to Howell. I know we're going to debate Corain on this all off season with his fucking Brissette love, but this seems like a team that, you know, wants to build around Howell. they have a good pass catching room. How do you take some pressure off of him? You establish the run, you know, Brian Robinson was fine last year, but he doesn't even hold a candle to what Bijan Robinson could do for this offense. So that's the one that makes the most sense to me. I think he would be pretty aggressively drafted in basically all formats. If he landed on the commanders, I'm kind of rooting for 
a similar situation that we had happen with Brees Hall last year, where there's basically this smoke screen of, oh no, Michael Carter's here. He's not going to catch passes. And all of a sudden we're getting this Brees Hall discount. I mean, B. John Robinson is a much better prospect than even Brees Hall, who is a really good prospect. So if he goes somewhere like, I don't know, say the Steelers at 17 or something, everyone's like, well, Najee's there. Like Najee's going to be a thorn in his side. It's like, give me the Bijan discount there because people are worried about it. Bijan's going to dust who is ever in front of him you know, by like week three, you know, at the latest, if not earlier. So I'm actually hoping for a quote unquote bad spot just for the fantasy discount. Ron, what about you? Where does he go? And I guess, where do you think is his best possible spot with Pete mentioning a pretty, uh, pretty good variety there of teams that actually do make a lot of sense. I kind of think like Atlanta, I know you guys, like, I I agree. I don't think it's the right pick, but like, I have to imagine, I I keep saying like, Arthur Smith had so much success with Derrick Henry. We see these day three guys just get no respect, right? James Robinson balls out. What do they do? They just turn around and they draft Travis CTN in the first round. We've seen it with Elijah Mitchell. You know, they go out and they trade for Christian McCaffrey. You see it with all these guys, Philip Lindsay, like any of these day three running backs. I, I love, I like Tyler Algier, but day three running backs are a little bit tough. And I just have to imagine like Arthur Smith is writing love letters about what he could do with Bijan in that offense, like him, Janu, Pitts. Like I think Arthur Smith is probably banging the table to get Bijan, like my guess would be Atlanta. They have drafted the, they are 25th among 25 GMs in premium positions selected in round one and two. So they're not taking, you know, your wide receivers, quarterback, offensive tackle, like they're taking linebackers. I think Washington, like Pete said, is a great one, right? They took like a linebacker uh, out of Kentucky last year. Like they don't, they're not a team that's like valuing offensive line. Um, And the third one I would say is New England. Those are the three that I have pegged that I think uh, he could go to. New England's weird. I, I could see a world where Belichick thinks to himself, like, you know, everybody's overthinking this pick. They're all going like the money ball route. Let's just have Ramondre Stevenson, Bijan Robinson, and just win. You know, I'm trying to think of like, you know, win via like Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown, like he saw in the 2010s, you know? Um, so those are the three. But in terms of fantasy, I would love the Chargers, right? If they're like Eckler maybe gets moved for like a day three pick uh, before mm. the season starts. And like, I, I think at that point, Bijan's like RB2 and ADP. Uh, after McCaffrey if he goes to the Chargers. So I think the most likely one for me is Tampa Bay, just because there were some reports linking him. Only two teams that Bijan visited that might have changed over the last few days. Tampa Bay was one of them. And I think a lot of people have assumed Rashad White's going to go in and get this bell cow role. And I think he talks the talk of one, but numerically didn't really show it that well last year. Like wasn't really that much better than Lenny Fournette, despite the fact they obviously chose him over Fournette. But I think they're a team that could absolutely bring in Bijan, have enough touches to get there and use Rashad White as a, a third down back who gets some carries to keep the other team on their feet or keep them on their toes a little bit more. The other team, too, that you guys mentioned, Atlanta, I think Tennessee could be a team where, like, they get rid of Derrick Henry, flip him for a third rounder or something, and then you get, you know, maybe Bijan getting that Titans role. Like, I think Hassan Haskins, you could have maybe given a shot to to do that same thing. That's not how these teams think, and I think the Titans might go, oh, we could patch together the defense. Let's just get this running back we can give 25 touches a game to. And with how they used Henry in the past game, too, I think that'd be kind of fun to have him be, you know, literal Derrick Henry V2. Um, you guys have thoughts, I guess, Ron, would you be more excited? I, you pick your teams. Now, what about mine? Do you like mine more? <laughs> I would like the Titans. I, I think that's actually interesting. You bring that up. Cause I think with the Titans, they probably think to themselves, they, they probably, if they, if they can't trade up and take a quarterback, they probably think long and hard at 11, you know, let's just roll with Tannehill, get Bijan in and just kind of run back that same offense. But, uh, I like the, bu- the bucks actually wouldn't be as fun for fantasy just because like, mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't really view Baker sort of, uh, you know, targeting the running back a ton like baker somebody like it, we sort of learned the hard way last year uh and jacob sanderson has sort of pointed this out to me and i, I think it's a great point 
Baker is very much a guy who plays out of structure. Like he's going to like your second, third, fourth read. And that's why a lot of the time it wouldn't be DJ Moore. Like, you know, he's throwing the guys like Shai Smith and Terrace Marshall um, and not really giving DJ Moore all the targets he could get. So he kind of gets squeezed a little bit for, for passing production. I don't think he'd get as many touch, uh, you know, touches out of the backfield in terms of the passing game, but he would still be like an RB1 in fantasy, you know? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Um, Pete, any other closing thoughts on Bijan? Because I feel like we've covered him about as well. And I'm also curious because this has started to change a lot over the last week. Who is the RB2 on the board? So if that's more interesting to move conversation-wise, Pete, uh, we can do that. Yeah, no, I just think it does make it tough with Bijan because we have a few of these different situations, whether it's the Vikings with Dalvin Cook, the Bengals with Mixon, you just mentioned Austin Eckler um, with the Chargers where, or even the um, Derrick Henry with the Titans where like, all of these guys could be candidates to get moved and the team says, Hey, we'll just replace it with a first round pick. So it is kind of hard to triangulate like all these moving pieces of like, where does the draft slot, the team need and the actual interest in Bijan all line up. But you know, when you mentioned the bucks at 19 and this is literally just me fucking firing from my gut, but like 19 almost feels like the floor for him in this draft class. You know, that we continue to hear this is a really weak draft class. I, I've heard the same talking point over and over that, like, these teams are going to look on their board and say, do we want the third best edge rusher or do we want the best running back that we've seen in a long, long time that we know is going to be able to contribute from day one? And I just knowing the NFL, I think they're all going to have, like, a relapse here back to the olden days when we were taking these guys top five, and they're going to be like, fuck it, I'm taking this guy at pick 12 or whatever. But we, we had Chip saying before, like, he was tired of the Eagles-Bijan narrative. I guess for you guys, is that, like, the platonic ideal outcome for him? Because I feel pretty good about drafting Rashad Penny or have felt pretty good. Obviously, there's no drafts right now. We're all crestfallen. But felt pretty good about drafting Rashad Penny. Felt pretty good about the ADP discount if you take Gainwell instead. I don't want to see Bijan go to the Eagles, but I guess I could see how people would view that as like NFL pure offense. You have a guy who can catch some passes, even though Jalen Hurts is going to throw a bunch. Uh, Ron, is that like the Eagles? Is that the actual most pristine spot or are people overhyping that too much? Uh, I think it's overhyped a, a bit because we do see with these rushing quarterbacks, like the way that Bijan hits and is the RB1 overall in fantasy is if we see a Saquon year one, 100 plus targets, right? So Hurts isn't going to get you there. Penny will kind of eat into some things. I think he'll be efficient enough. And he'll score enough touchdowns to be really fun and really interesting. Uh, but in terms of like that pinnacle outcome, I don't think the Eagles are that case. And I will also say with the Eagles, I know I've seen him go mocks like 10 to the Eagles. Like the issue for me is I think the only way he ends up on the Eagles, like Howie Roseman's so uh, money ball oriented. I, I, I think he sees what the Chiefs did with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And I, I want to say he's probably scared to death of doing something similar than that. You know, you have this like probably the best roster in the league. And you think that you're getting a cherry on top, but instead you're burning a first round pick that could have been an edge or a tackle that you now need because, you know, you're paying Mahomes $500 million or whatever it is. Uh, so maybe they trade back from from eight and they get into like the late teens and maybe they take them there. But um, yeah, I, I don't know about 10. Yeah, Bijan falling to the Bengals, I think, would also look pretty good, too, if we did talk about that. But I just don't see that happening. I think uh, what Pete was saying earlier, like the Bucks being kind of a floor spot, I think that's fair. It's hard. Maybe he gets in the low 20s, but anything more than that does feel like we're pushing it. Um, RB2s, though. So I'm curious about your thoughts, because I know we've seen there's been some good cases made for Zach Charbonnet. Ty J. Spears has had seen in certain groups. Um, I've seen Kendry Miller be kind of hype here. And this is also CBS's rank. So they're kind of they have Jameer Gibbs at number 14 overall, which feels high. But Ron, who is your RB2? Because there's a lot of flavors to choose from here. Izzy Abani Kanda coming up a bunch for people, too. Um, if you're drafting a team, I guess, whether it be best ball or dynasty, or there's a difference between the two pointed out, but who's your RB number two? My second most drafted running back and underdog in the big board 
is Jameer Gibbs. Let's Jameer go. Gibbs is he is everything we want in fantasy. Catches passes like he catches passes. The only guy that I've ever seen that can catch passes like Gibbs. Like I think that he had like over a thirty percent reception or receiving yard market share in as a freshman. <clears throat> the only guy that matches that kind of production in terms of like round one, round two guys is McCaffrey. Like he he looks like that. He's smaller, of course. He's not going to get. Uh, the full workload but you know when we're playing in PPR we want these kinds of backs like he is another role on a guy like DeAndre Swift who was almost a league winner as a rookie like I want to say he was around like 15 points per game like back end RB1 like high end RB2 type guy so Gibbs is very much that for me and the added caveat is I think teams uh, can justify taking a running back if he's like Gibbs like Gibbs can run uh, routes out of the slot and he can catch passes he can be one of those guys like last year the only guys who had 20 plus points per game had 80 receptions, right? It was McCaffrey and Eckler. Gibbs has that profile. We want to hit that upside. And if he goes first round in the NFL draft, like I, I can make the case for him like as early as like two, three turn and redraft. Like if he, if he goes first round and he's going to get that, you know, uh, draft capital where a team feels forced to use him and give him carries, I, I'm confident enough that he's a good prospect. Like honestly, elite prospect, not like a Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, and would be an instant, you know, difference maker if picked that high. Pete, are you with that one? I saw you gave a little bit of a let's go for Jameer Gibbs. And I will point out some fun stats. Uh, really bad stuffed rate in terms of getting stuffed to the line. 23% stuffed run rate because he is small, like Ron mentioned. But also amazing when he's catching passes. Ran 18 routes per game. Uh, caught four catches per game. 41% avoided tackle rate on those catches. 0.309 EPA. So a guy, again, like Ron was saying, in space, he can be McCaffrey-esque. The question is, can you give him a full bell cow role? Are you maybe selling a little too much by having him out there on third downs? Pete, there's a pathway for him. Like we've drafted guys like JD McKissick in the past, and it feels like Jameer Gibbs' best possible outcome, or one of his lowest possible outcomes, rather, is being JD McKissick. Yeah, I'm very hyped on Gibbs. Let me try to workshop a take here, and you guys tell me how crazy this is. Oh. Because I think everyone agrees Bijan is in his own tier, Gibbs is in his own tier, and then you, we can debate until the cows come home, you know, RB3 and stuff. But my take, my hot take I want to workshop is the gap from Jameer Gibbs to running back three is the same size or, or uh, I should say larger than even the gap from Gibbs to Bijan. You know, that's how I feel about how I don't like the RB3 in this class and how good I feel about Gibbs being a potential fantasy superstar. So here's where we may differ. I love Zach Charbonnet, and I need to point out that like that's a, a take for me where um, you know there's some positive metrics for other backs. Like I've talked about Roshan Johnson a lot being kind of a value guy who I think walks into a role from day one as kind of a plotter guy who can move the pile and can also catch some passes. But Charbonnet is really good at pretty much everything. Positive EPA catch and passes, uh, good avoided tackle rate, 46. So actually a higher avoided tackle rate when catching a pass of Jameer Gibbs does Zach Charbonnet have, except that Charbonnet is 6'1", 220. Gibbs is a lot smaller. I think, uh, Ron, from day one to me, like Charbonnet could be a guy who gets like a Mixon role and is Joe Mixon, if not maybe even a better Joe Mixon from the jump. And I would actually put him ahead of Gibbs personally. I'm not drafting oh, like no. that because I think market ADPs are where they are. But I don't think it's as big of a tier jump as Pete's saying. Do you? Yeah, I'm not huge on Charbonnet. Uh, it seems like he's going to go like round three-ish. Maybe he goes round two and uh, gets a little bit more interesting. The issue I have with him is... He's just kind of fine everywhere. Like he catches passes. He's like, you know, six foot, 214 pounds. He has good size. Really, the issue for me is he's coming out as a senior. He could go round three. And I think, yes, you can start to like draw comps to, you know, like mix in and stuff. But I think you like when you look at like the lower end, like you're kind of looking at like Charles Sims, CJ Procise are two names that came out for me. 
uh, carry on Johnson, Bishop Sankey types. So I think that he can he can carve out a role, but I don't think uh, it's as like I, I don't know that he is a difference maker the same way that Gibbs can be just with the receiving upside um, and kind of the, you know, the four three speed. So Pete is, is Charbonnet your RB three then, or is he not even in that category for you? No, I, yeah, he, he's my RB three. I mean, like to put in perspective, what we were drafting Charbonnet in round 10 and 11 yeah. of initial big board drafts. And I was perfectly content drafting Gibbs at the back end of round five or more often in round six. Um, so yeah. And I, I get the size concerns about Gibbs, but kind of what Ron laid out at the top too, like he really does possess that skill set. And again, it goes back to the whole thing, assumption of rational coaching. Like, is he going to get pigeonholed like a DeAndre Swift? That's well within the range of outcomes. But if he does end up in his ideal landing spot where a really inventive coach is willing to use him in fun ways, I mean, it could be just a full-blown blast-off situation. So since we are talking about him here, and I, th I think it's going to be kind of similar spots what we talked about uh, with Bijan, but for Charbonnet, Ron, where would be your ideal landing spots for him? If we are going to say that he is you know, maybe a guy who's not as special as Jameer Gibbs, but a guy who can handle 20 touches and seems to be confident in that, uh, where do you think Charbonnet should go? I guess would be the best question. I would love somewhere in round two. I've seen a, uh, the Dolphins there. Would be really fun, you know, get some size. Uh, for their running back room where, I mean, like Jeff Wilson and Raheem Most are like fun between the tackles guys, but I do really think that uh, McDaniel wants a pass catcher, right? He comes from the the same guys. As much as I don't really target the running back in San Fran, like I, I felt like them signing McKinnon was kind of into that area. I think the same thing with like Chase Edmonds as well. That's why I've honestly kind of seen the Dolphins take uh, Jameer Gibbs more than that and like sort of slate him into that role. But I think if they had Charbonnet and you could kind of use him uh, all three downs in that offense with Mike McDaniel. Like, honestly, you could sort of pencil any of these running backs. Like, you can do a, a chain or whatever to the Dolphins, but uh, that would be my dream spot. I just, I just think Mike McDaniel would draw it up uh, so nicely. Like, he does seem like one of those coaches that is imaginative, you know, with the play calling and uses his guys to the best of their strengths. Yeah, and just being able to clean up all those long throws for Charbonnet would be pretty nice as well. Really, any of these guys, because A-Chain's not the one I've seen linked to get him out in some of the mock drafts. Uh, Pete, how about you, Charbonnet? Big-bodied guy. You can theoretically get a bunch of touches. Where should he go? Yeah, I would say even um, basically all of the spots that we said we would be excited about for Bijan, yeah. I think are applicable for Charbonnet, because what you're excited about with him, right, is the potential to be a three-down back. And so a lot of those spots, if a Mixon, a Dalvin Cook, a Henry, or any of those guys cleared out and Zach Charbonnet was drafted there. And then all of a sudden you're looking at competition, like, you know, the typical, you know, backs there of even like an Alexander Madison type, like Charbonnet can jump him very, very quickly. So I'm just looking for a clear path to being a bell cow back for him. Whereas some of these other guys, we can talk about being a little bit more of specialists, maybe having a specific role. Then we're really kind of having to thread the needle more so. And Dustin asking a question here. We can kind of sum up the remainders of the running backs here. Any Kendra Miller love? I, you know, I mentioned Roshan Johnson, Ty J Spears, another small guy who absolutely strafed USC in their bowl game. But, you know, again, USC's defense wasn't that good, but that is a pro, you know, or a high level uh, college defense relative to what uh, Ty, Ty J Spears is facing week to week. But any of these other guys, Ron, for you, where we have Miller, we have uh, Evan Hulls picked up some steam. Dwayne McBride is really low on the CBS board, but he's a guy I was taking in some big board drafts. Um, any of these guys that we haven't named yet, Ron, stand out to you as being worth uh, planting a flag for, let's say? The guy I really like, the guy who, so Jameer Gibbs is my second highest owned running back on the big board at 20%. The guy who is my most owned running back at 35% is Tank Bigsby. I really mm. like Tank Bigsby. He's big. He's like, you know, six foot, 210. That's like a nice, you know, it's not too far off of, you know, Charbonnet's size. I think Charbonnet's what, like six two, two fourteen. So 
right in that area. He caught passes. He reminds me a ton. Uh, if you can go on day two, he reminds me a ton of Cam Akers, where Cam Akers came in complete profile. Like, of course, pre Achilles, like he had a very successful career at that point. He caught passes. He was essentially the entire Florida State offense. Like Florida State was garbage. The offensive line was garbage. You kind of had the same thing uh, with Auburn. But Bigsby, you know, he produced the minute he stepped on the field, like freshman producer in the SEC, over 50 catches in his last two years. So a lot to like 21 years old. Amazing name too, Tank Bigsby. He runs hangry as well. So uh, yeah, if he can go, you know, round two, round three, Tank Bigsby would be a guy uh, that I'll have a lot of. He's one of those guys I came around a little bit because I'd actually initially warned Pete and saying like his name is Tank Bigsby. Everybody drafts him. His name is Tank Bigsby, but he does not run like a tank. Like, you know, okay, avoid a tackle rate, but not a guy that was breaking stuff runs or eight man boxes or anything. But a lot of people I've kind of walked that back as Auburn was so bad, I guess, at their offensive line. And then the NFL team seemed to like Bigsby a lot more than fantasy does. So if the draft capitals there, Bigsby could be a guy who could definitely pay off for what Ron's talking about. Uh, Pete, do you want to dive in on the Bigsby love or is there an, another running back that you would plan a flag for as your I guess it doesn't have to be RB4, but it's the guy you're drafting a lot or want to draft a lot. Yeah, I mean, the two guys I ended up also being super heavy on um, just because they were super cheap going in like what, the round 13 to 15 round range of drafts. I had a lot of A-chain and I have a lot of Tajay Spears. I honestly don't have um, a ton of conviction about how to perfectly slot these guys. I think A-chain's unique in that no one really knows what to do with him because there's not really good comps for exactly what his profile is. And so that can be concerning, but it also can kind of be exciting. Like, what if a team is just very creative with getting this guy in space and letting him just showcase his speed? And then Tajay Spears just seemed a little bit more like a, a complete back, a guy who could maybe go and carve out a bigger role than anticipated. I remember seeing a lot of early mocks having him to the Dolphins as like a round two pick. I actually think that would be a bad pick for them considering some of their other needs and stuff like that. But if you get a Tajay Spears, like it wouldn't be that crazy for him to jump Mostert and Jeff Wilson pretty quickly there too. So, you know, I think ultimately we are playing a bit of the draft capital game with these guys and just seeing which team is going to have a level of investment where they feel like they're going to give these guys touches sooner rather than later. I'll float one to you guys real fast. We're going to talk about receivers and tight ends and try to do that quickly. But Ty J Spears, let's say the Giants take him as a Saquon Barkley handcuff. Um, is he not a lot more interesting in that capacity where if Barkley hurts that hamstring again, you see him get those touches and maybe be more successful per touch? Because I think that's where a guy to me like Ty J Spears, like I think he could pay off and have a couple different outs right now. Um, but it's the idea, Pete, of him being the replacement Saquon Barkley, I think would be very exciting. That, I mean, that that would be wild. That would be why I hadn't heard that one floated yet. Well, you know, I, I keep my ears to the streets. All my sources are telling me that. No, mm. I, I think that <laughs> but Saquon hasn't signed his franchise tag. So it wouldn't be shocking to see him draft a running back and make kind of a, a weird impasse. We'll find that out. I, oh, I will say just to your point, I mean, they've been playing. We talk about teams um, or, you know, even the Niners or whatever of who have basically been screwed by not prioritizing an important backup position, you know, at quarterback and how important it is now to have a good backup. You can talk about the dolphins who went out and got Mike white. You could argue that the giants have played pretty fast and loose with Barkley's backup over the years and that they would be wise to get a guy that maybe isn't a pure handcuff, but a guy you're giving eight to 10 touches a game just to make sure Barkley can hold up because this is a team that now has, you know, deeper playoff aspirations after what they did last year. And so I don't think they can get away with giving Barkley 25 plus touches a game for an entire full season. So yeah, to get a guy like this, who you would feel comfortable lightening that load, I think would be smart, even if he does sign the franchise tag. 
Yeah, they didn't seem to want to use Matt Breida too much last year, but and they are bringing him back. But I do think there's a chance they could take a rookie in and maybe get some use of him from day one. Let's talk about receivers, though. Ron, I want to get your takes on wide receiver one right away because this has been hotly debated. Um, it's something that, honestly, I don't necessarily believe that Quentin Johnston is uh, falling as much as some people out there have, though. It seems like CBS has him pretty high on this board. But Zay Flowers getting some first-round, first-overall receiver steam as well, and he's a fast guy, wasn't great in college, and I kind of think playing at Boston College should knock him down a little bit, but he's crazy fast, Ron. So who is your wide receiver one? And and if it's Zay Flowers, it's, it's, it's okay. I just won't be happy with you. Uh, it's not Zay Flowers. I, I would say I'm about uh, where the market's at on Zay Flowers. Uh, but my wide receiver one, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, he just feels uh, very safe just in terms of like that slot wide receiver archetype. But I also think while he's safe, I think that there is also the upside case of, you know, we keep seeing those, these Ohio State guys, like it, it is the same career path every single one of them. Buried on a depth chart in, in year one. They come out in year two. Garrett Wilson, monster year two. JSN, monster year two. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. last year, monster year two. And then he came back down to earth last year. He was hurt or whatever. Uh, I think I said on ship chasing, like you could, uh, he could have sat out the entire season and I think it would have actually helped his draft stock, you know, kind of like what Jamar Chase did. Uh, like it was that high after the, uh, I think it was the Utah Rose Bowl game that, I'm completely bought in to the upside. I think like this sounds sort of crazy, but I think sort of like you can sort of see him anywhere from like Keenan Allen through, you know, Cooper Cup in terms of what his range of outcomes looks like. And I think when we're playing in PPR and we're playing, you know, in nickel packages and three wide receiver sets so much, I'm not super concerned about the slot usage, but you can also look back. I think Jefferson, when he was with Chase, uh, I want to say it was Terrace Marshall on the outside and it was uh, Chase on the outside and Jefferson was out of the slot. So at like what he's like 6'1, 195. I, it wouldn't shock me if he could transition to the outside. And then from there, you have a guy who can play everywhere, was really clean in school, and you know, looks like you know, one of those Garrett Wilson, Ohio State type products. Yeah, and Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave talked about him being the best receiver in that room. And obviously, those guys have gone off to a very good start in their NFL careers. Uh, Pete, are you with Ron here about JSN being the wide receiver one off the board, the guy who does feel like should step into production right away? And uh, worth pointing out that if you do look at the 2021 numbers, you can see here, this, as Ron pointed out, he had hamstring issues, barely played. 2021 was an absolute beast. EPA numbers off the charts at every possible level was the best guy running out of the slot. Also the best guy overall in terms of EPA per target with 0.86 EPA per target, which is crazy given the volume. So I'm on board, Pete. Are you on board with JSN as wide receiver one? Yeah, definitely. I think he's the best prospect in this class. I think he's even slightly underrated, maybe by the dynasty community. I think the best ball community appropriately valued him as kind of like an early fifth round pick. But I know the dynasty community kind of has their questions about him. I think like his floor of getting drafted, like, ugh, man, maybe, maybe I'm talking out of school. What I think his floor should be would be like New England at 14. But there's that sweet spot of Titans at 11, Texans at 12, Packers 13 that Dustin mentions in the chat here, and Patriots at 14. All of those teams would kill to have JSN or should be, you know, tripping over themselves to draft him. And so I would be shocked if he makes it through that gauntlet without getting drafted. Ron, where do you think that JSN ends up going with it? You know, the slot specific role does make him have maybe a few less potential homes. But if you think he can play out wide, like you said, I think that gives him a little more room to land in a couple different spots. I have to say, you know, I, I have been crushing NFL draft podcasts the last like three days listening to, you know, Daniel Jeremiah and all these guys. I think I, I think I, I think I would actually have it the other way, Pete, where I would say Dynasty community loves JSN. The NFL draft community is like low on JSN. And it's very <laughs> weird to me. It's very weird to me because you look at last year and like how the hell like all of these draft guys are saying this is a weak wide receiver class. And it's like, OK, 
Jahan Dotson went 16th overall last year. Jahan Dotson. There's like five wide receivers in this class better than Jahan Dotson. Because if you remember, you had uh, the A.J. Brown contract and the D.K. Metcalf contract, and you had the Tyree Kill and the Devontae Adams contracts uh, before the draft. So everyone's kind of jumping on wide receivers and wanting to get them early. But the buzz I'm seeing right now, you know, from like your Mel Kuypers of the world, is I've been seeing him mocked to like 20th on the Seahawks. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of noise that, you know, this wide receiver class is weak. But the way that I feel is like if it's weak, you still got four guys better than JSN or better than Jahan Dotson. And you're going to see GMs have to be aware that when Viking, the, the Vikings are going to shell out a massive deal for Jefferson. They're going to shell out a massive deal for CD lamb. There's going to be a massive deal for uh, just uh, not Jefferson, but chase. So I have to imagine they want to value him higher. Um, but it is like a push and pull where I think dynasty guys would almost say like he should go top 10. Um, so it really depends on how teams kind of like view uh, again, I, I don't know if he's going to be a pure slot receiver, but I think teams in their rooms are saying, you know, he's a pure slot receiver. Can he be, you know, a Cooper Cup for our offense? So it's really tough. But uh, I, I like early on in the process, I was mocking him like 11 through 14. I even like my Jets 15, you know, get him and Garrett Wilson with Aaron Rodgers. I would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so JSN's all over the place. I, I still don't know because early buzz was, you know, early teens. But now I've seen him drop outside the top 20. I would say for JSN, I still think the Texans make a lot of sense. Like they signed a lot of bodies in this offseason, which kind of makes you feel not great about it. But if they want like an alpha receiver who's going to run good routes, have the opportunity maybe to be able to play outside, but also play inside, I think the Texans could be a guy that can, he could be a guy that could really help make Levis if that's who they're going with the number two. Like he's going to look more accurate because of JSN being able to do what he does. But I would also point out, how about the Steelers for him, where he falls a mm. little bit, that would put him at 17. I think Pete, you're right too, that he could go to the Packers. I still think they take Kincaid and maybe lock that up or maybe mayor if they want to go that way i think you take a tight end personally but i think you put in a jsn let's say for the steelers and you have him out there with pickens and you have him out there with deontay johnson and you're giving kenny pickett obviously with freer as well give him as many possible weapons as he can have right now in his career and see what he does i think that wouldn't be crazy and they they love kind of slot guys and maybe you know maybe they get creative and dig the old antonio brown playbooks and find some stuff for him but i feel like that'd be a fun one so um, I don't know, Pete. I, do you have any thoughts on him and the steelers or is that a little bit of a far-fetched dream given they probably just to want me to that's the, yeah, the, I don't see the Steelers. One, because I think the Steelers are pretty high on themselves and their ability to mine the later yeah. rounds for talent. They've just had such an incredible track record. And I also think they would probably internally think there's too much skill set, skill set overlap with Deontay Johnson and both of those guys running on the inside that I can't envision them going there. I think where it gets really interesting, like you said, is if the NFL you know evaluations are more correct, once he's down in that 20 to say 23 range, then you are looking at Seahawks, Chargers, Ravens, Vikings. All of those seem like, I, I'll, okay, I'll say this. 23 has to be the last possible slot that, mm -hmm. that JSN could fall. So yeah, you do have those kind of pockets, right? Is he going to go 11 to 14 or maybe like 20 to 23 would be the two ranges I'm looking at there. And behind him, we talked a little bit about Zay Flowers, also mentioned Quentin Johnston. Uh, those are guys, Ron, that it does seem like could fall a little bit more than JSN. As Pete mentioned, the Vikings are supposed to be very live for a, a potential receiver there in that 23 spot. Uh, maybe they could try to trade up if they're worried about it too, but does feel like they're going to get one of Quentin Johnston or, I guess, Zay Flowers. I kind of think, Ron, that the Vikings get Flowers and Quentin Johnston might hang around. And there have been some reports linking him to Buffalo, which would be a tremendous outcome for my Quentin Johnston shares. But where do you want to see Quentin Johnston go? And I guess, who do you have higher, him or Zay Flowers? So <laughs> I don't know if anybody cares about my exposures, but I have Quentin Johnston's my most exposed guy uh, on go. underdog. 
I have him 45% of teams. I decided I was kind of feeling the the big board. I, I feel like it's kind of my uh, playground sandbox where I'll be super great. Like I was getting weird with roster construction, exposures, all of that. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll button things up once uh, BBM comes around. But Quentin Johnston, I, I think you, I, I've heard that too, like the buzz that he could fall outside of the first round. Like, I, I still don't think he falls outside of the top 40. But I have to think like there are GMs out there that are coveting size, right? They want that prototypical wide receiver. And Johnson's the only one that you could justify taking in round one. So I don't think he slips out of there. I agree. I, I would love the Bills. I think the Bills would be my best landing spot because I think he would bring something to that team where some people might say, you know, downfield uh, X wide receiver, like kind of looks like Gabriel Davis. But the difference is, is like Quentin Johnson's such a special yard of the catch guy and he can kind of create. Uh, on his own offense. I think that the Bills are kind of lacking that, right? Where uh, Diggs is kind of a possession guy. Gabriel Davis will catch the ball 40 yards downfield and fall down. It would be nice, especially if it wasn't, you know, this this archetype that they keep chasing with like James Cook and Naeem Hines. If it was a big body, 6'3", 210 pound guy that you can put in the slot or on the outside and just kind of like dump off and hope, you know, maybe there's double teams on Diggs and Allen's coming out of the pocket and you get Quentin Johnson running free. I think that would be, a match made in heaven. So we'll see. I mean, there's buzz that he might fall out of the first round, but I'm not really buying it. Pete, how about you? Where can Quentin Johnson go? And I will point out one thing Ron mentioned, because that was a thing that the Bills quoted on, uh, talking about wanting yards after catch guys. And Quentin Johnson, a 38% avoided tackle rate, which is the highest of any of the receivers in this class, including over Zay Flowers, I think stands out as a kind of one thing the Bills don't have. Uh, but obviously, Pete, that's a fever dream. Might not fall that far. Where does Quentin Johnson go? Yeah, I think he... He's one of the guys that I feel like has one of the wider ranges of where he could go. Like, would it shock me if the Texans pull the trigger on him at 12? I know that was a popular um, spot like early on in the draft process. And then if he tumbled out of the first round and was like an early, you know, second round pick, that wouldn't shock me either. So I think the truth is probably somewhere in, in the middle. I know Anthony in the chat mentioning the Giants. Uh, Elliot Christ over at Fantasy Life and his updated mock had Quentin Johnston uh, to the Giants. That one makes a lot of sense. And once you get in that range, it gets fun for fantasy, right? Because now you're on good teams who have good quarterbacks who need pass catching help. So even looking at the bills, of course, I mean, the Cowboys, like even that wouldn't be the worst spot. Obviously um, the chiefs are always the ultimate uh, hashtag great fit for some of these prospects. So yeah, I, I still get the feeling that he is going to be a first round pick in that kind of like Bill's Giants range. Maybe the Ravens, I could see them kind of liking how he might compliment a Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. I think he's going to go in that range, say pick 20 to you know 28. So we got a few more receivers on the board here. We do want to quickly hit on tight end. So let's talk Jordan Addison, I guess. Let's kind of look. It's kind of showing how, fall, how far Jordan Addison has fallen that we're lumping him in here. But we got Addison. We got Josh Downs. We have Jalen Hyatt, who's another guy that's kind of fallen a little bit. They have uh, CBS has Jalen Hyatt behind Tyler Scott, which feels impossible. Uh, Marvin Mims, very buzzy. Cedric Tillman, another one of the very few big-bodied guys, as Ron was talking about, who actually play outside. Ron, if I'm going to lump all these guys in. If you had to go with Addison and down here on this board on the screen, uh, which receiver are you going to stump for the most? They're actually very close for me. Uh, like my model prefers downs, but I think if Addison goes first round and Josh Downs goes second round, I'll probably end up liking jo Jordan Addison. I think that he's uh, not a similar player to Josh Downs, but I think he's a more complete guy where Downs is a, a slot guy. Of course, he plays bigger than his size, like amazing contested catch guy. But Jordan Addison like was kind of like the wider almost looked at like as ahead of Quentin Johnson and like almost like the shoe in for wide receiver one wall like JSN was kind of like falling mid college football season. He was really special through two years at Pitt and then kind of had a down year this year with USC. I've heard maybe 
the scheme didn't really fit him as well. And maybe like injuries kind of, you know, hurt him. But he's a guy where like the size is definitely a little bit concerned, like 5'11", 173. But if the NFL takes him in the first round and, you know, puts a first round grade on him, then I won't really care much more than that. Like we've seen Devonta Smith be great at that, like similar size. I think he's kind of just a worse version of Devonta Smith. Like, of course, he didn't have that Heisman winning season that we've never seen before. But I think he's like he's probably one of the safer floor guys where, you know, he's a great route runner inside and out. Uh, just super clean. Yeah, I feel like Seattle kind of makes sense for him where he could learn from some of those guys and still get some targets right away and be there from the jump. Uh, Pete, how about you? Do you want to stump for any of these guys here, Addison? Or otherwise, you can dig deeper if you want, if you want to adjust for ADPs and all that. We've, we've battled on this in our drafts. I'm an Addison over Johnston guy. Um, I think they have, you know, maybe similar ceilings, but I think Addison has a bit of a higher floor. I just am more impressed with his profile and what he was able to do um, just as a guy who earned uh, a ton of targets and was really productive in college. I just feel better about him translating. Obviously, I do agree that if Johnston hits in like the 95th percentile outcome, like that's very, very exciting with his profile, but I just think the likelihood of him busting is far higher than Addison, who I think in this NFL is going to immediately win. And one thing that kind of surprised me, I think when I had initially started reading about Addison, he got talked about a lot as just like a slot only type guy. And then Corrine kind of started talking about his ability to be used down the field too. So if I have this guy that can earn targets, but that can also stretch the field deep, I started to get pretty excited about that for fantasy. And if he's going and say that same range as Quentin Johnson, you know, pick 20 to 28 to a team with a good quarterback, that gets pretty exciting. Yeah. And I will point out to uh, you, know, like Ron mentioned as well, that USC basically didn't run Jordan Addison out of the slot as much, whereas Pitt was running him a ton out of the slot. And that's something we're in the pros. Like he's going to get moved around a lot. Maybe he'll be a pure slot guy, but uh, there are some Justin Jefferson parallels on that alone, but obviously a uh, different bit of both size comp, athleticism comp, all that stuff. Uh, tight ends, we got to hit on real fast before we go, because Ron, I feel like one of the things with tight ends, especially in Dynasty, is people now assume that they're not going to produce the first two years. I know the general consensus for a lot of people out there is they sometimes don't even produce. So that second contract, these guys, in terms of what they did in college, all high target earners, like Michael Mayer had over a 30% target per route run rate, actually over 35%. Uh, Luke Musgrave at over 30%, Kincaid at 29%, Darnell Washington at a 27% rate. So these guys are getting targeted a lot and creating value, and they're pretty athletic. So who are you stumping for as your tight end one? And I guess the other question, how many tight ends go in the first round? Um, I would say I, I think the the line's at two and a half. I think that we see three. I, I do think – I think Mayer and Kincaid for sure. And then I think, you know, it's as good as anybody's guess between Darnell Washington. And I think Luke Musgrave is somebody that I think the NFL likes a lot more than what we're hearing. Uh, but in terms of like tight end one, I, I, I've been back and forth about it. And like, I, I really like Darnell Washington, but I'll, I'll say Michael Mayer. I do think we're sort of getting process fatigue with Michael Mayer. And like, maybe we're overthinking it a bit. Like his production is insane. Like I think like 25% plus market share is like a true freshman there. They have a pedigree where, you know, I think like, did Eifert go to Notre Dame and you have Claypool who went there and you had uh, Cole Komet. So they have a bunch of guys. I think that he produced next to Cole Komet in year one. I, I could be wrong on that. Uh, and he's also, I, I do love as much as like his combine wasn't great, but it also wasn't terrible. Like four, seven, 250 pounds. Like he looks like uh, sort of like a TJ Hawkinson, sort of like a Mark Andrews. And I do love that. Apparently he has a basketball background. I was watching, I was watching a, a podcast clip of him. I think it was on uh, the one with like Will Compton and Taylor Lewan. And he comes out and says, like, he wanted to play basketball his entire life. Like, he was watching college mixtapes and uh, college basketball. I think that he was on that track. And somebody – it might have been Dane Brugger on a podcast. That was, they all, they've all melted together at this point. But somebody said uh, that he played basketball in high school. And you can really see the way that he high points the ball. 
And whenever you tell me that a basketball player played basketball or a tight end played basketball, I'm in. Like, you know, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, like I'm uh, I think it's such a weird position that having other stuff to draw from draw from is great. Pete, what about you here? Because I've given my takes here. I still think Don Kincaid has the best shot. He's a little bit older than you like to see, but I think he's got the best shot to be that Travis Kelsey, high-level target earner guy who can get out in space and create a lot of value in the short range too. Like his best EPA per target numbers were all under 10 air yards at Utah, so was able to get out there. Washington, a great blocker. Laporta, I know. Uh, Pat Green stunned for him a little bit, but a high missed tackle rate. Musgrave, who Ron just talked about, another guy can get downfield. There's a lot of guys you could fall in love with, Pete. So if you're going to fall in love with one, who is it? Yeah, I do... I do agree with Ron too, that this kind of like Michael Mayer eraser stuff has been like a little bizarre, especially when you frame it with Kincaid. And this goes back to the whole thing. When they tell these prospects now, like if you don't think you're going to run a good 40, like don't go run it. If you don't think you're going to be good in this drill, just don't do it because not doing it is far better than doing it and not impressing. And Michael Mayer was fine athletically. He just wasn't like 95th percentile. And so everyone's like, Oh, he's boring. He has no upside now. And it's like, don't Kincaid didn't do anything either. And he's like one of the oldest tight end prospects we've seen but it's just the black box nature of it that we're all talking ourselves into and so i kind of don't get like putting Kincaid as close to mayor as now is happening or so it seems um and then yeah i mean i love the depth i love the exciting guys like everyone else you know darnell washington if a team doesn't just use him as like a sixth offensive lineman that's very fun and i do think just like pure profile like if you just looked at numbers and took away everything else i mean sam laporta looks like the best selection of all these guys. So yeah, I'm on the over two and a half tight ends in round one, two. I do think a, a Washington probably sneaks in there along with Kincaid and Mayer. But yeah, I think Mayer's being a little underrated right now. Which teams, Pete, do you think are most live to take a tight end? Because I'm just going to list a few right now. I think Packers, very live, would be a good spot for that with Jordan Loves' hopeful ascension. Uh, the Bengals, another one we had Nate in the chat asking. The Bengals take both Mayer and Kincaid. I think they're going to take one of them, pair them with Irv Smith, see how that goes. Detroit's another one, too. Like, I don't think they're going with Brock Wright and James Mitchell or whatever is the backup guy. Like, that feels pretty thin to me. So those are three I would identify. Uh, but, Pete, if you saw one of these tight ends go to one of these teams, which team would get you most amped up for your future tight end production? Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams that um, would be very fun. And this, I mean, so many of these teams need wide receiver help, and a lot of them need tight end stuff. I mean, the Chargers would be super fun for tight end. The Cowboys, obviously, depending on how you feel about Jake Ferguson, could use one. The Bengals are super obvious. Um, yeah, they bring in Irv Smith, but that seemed more like kind of a clackety-clack, let's roll the dice and see what we have. Um, so, yeah, I, I think any of those spots, I mean, going to a good quarterback, you're going to see one of these guys thrust up the Lions another, you know, prime candidate to um, try to fill the TJ Hawkinson void, not to mention now not having Jamison Williams for the first six games. So yeah, there's some really fun landing spots for tight end. All right, Ron, give the people the plug here because you're doing great work on YouTube. You mentioned you're slowing down a little bit in the offseason, but still putting it on. I went through the YouTube channels like, well, Ron is actually doing a lot of content. So I guess for you, that's not as much as usual, but great source for Dynasty, great source for year round content. And a guy, again, you're putting in the work and you can tell anytime you watch a video. Thank you so much. I do. Uh, appreciate the flowers. Um, I think you guys do great work as well. Uh, I could sit here and, and give you guys flowers forever. Um, but I appreciate all that. Ron Stewart on YouTube. I mean, I, I put the theory to the test on Pete's stream and it didn't work. Usually if you type in Ron Stewart, I'll come up, but sometimes Rod Stewart, the musician will come up. So Ron Stewart on YouTube, I believe like the, the actual is like Ron Stewart underscore on YouTube, which is like kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, that's literally it. I'm on there. I do dynasty content. I do best ball content. I do redraft. Uh, we're going to try and uh, ship the the mock draft contest again this year. So we'll have a final mock draft tomorrow. Um, see if we can, you know, 
keep up with Josh Norris this year. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much where all my stuff is just on YouTube, uh, hanging around there, posting draft stuff, but you might catch a, a stray video of me in, in a different world. I think I did a, I think I did like a March madness video too. So a bunch of stuff going on over there. Yeah. See what you get on the algorithm for Ron, go check out his work and really you know, support him, support all the creators who are really grinding out there. That's what we always say here, Pete, I assume you're heading to the, uh, the old discord to do some AMAs or office hours. Yep. Uh, I'm hopping in the fantasy life discord right now. You can find me in the office hours channel. I just updated uh, version 69 of my round one mock draft and happy to discuss about all the latest permutations over there. All right. So follow Pete on Twitter. You, you guys know all the things to follow. And of course, follow at splash play pod, hit the like button before you go, leave a comment. We'll see you guys again soon and enjoy your NFL drafts. We'll be back on Friday. Talk about more. So see you then. Bye. <laughs>